I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Featured Anime Podcast. I'm your host, Jack. And I'm Rick. And today we are talking about record of Grand Crest War. Uh, This week was my choice. And a good choice it was. I'd have to agree. It was a decent choice. You know, for what it was. Uh, it's a it, little longer than I would have liked it to be. That but. is true. Um, it is 24 episodes long. It originally came out in January 2018, ran all the way through June 2018. Uh, producers for it were Aniplex, Bandai, Namco, uh, studio of A1 Pictures. It's uh, action, drama, fantasy, and romance with the source of light novel. Now, as far as the romance goes in this particular series, I'm, I'm going to call it, I actually liked how they did the main love story between Theo and his mage. Um, I was not really a fan of the one sex scene. I don't think it was necessary. I mean, I get what it was going for. And yeah, I would just preferred, I don't know, something different than what was what happened. And I realized it makes it sound like Theo had the sex, but no, no, he, it was someone else entirely. And it it, it was like a supporting character that, that was having this uh, bourgeois impromptu. Okay, let's do this, I guess type of thing. And honestly, I agree with you. I felt like it could have been done without Um, the start of it though, was pretty interesting. I mean, it doesn't really start off the way you would really expect it to. Yeah. There was no war to begin with, so to speak. Um, at least not in the, in the scenes you're seeing. Um, it, it was really awesome. I well, in my opinion, awesome on how, instead of explaining everything, they showed you what was going on. And it, it made me feel like I had a, a larger understanding and, <laughs> I couldn't help but feel like Theo was played hard in the very first few episodes. Like he didn't have any agency by uh, of of his own volition, and he was basically just shoved from point to point to point to point. I thought it was really cool, right? But Silica had a very strategic mindset already, so she had this plan of what she wanted to have happen, and so. She wanted to make sure that it happened and everything that she was also having planned out and having done was all for Theo and to, for her own selfish reasons, but to help further his goals, because that is what a mage is supposed to do. And so you learn at the very beginning that mages are contracted to lords or, uh, you know, not just any lord, not just uh, any rank. You have to be a knight with this crest. And the way yeah. you get these crests are by defeating these chaos beasts and absorbing their essence, their chaos essence. And some, some, not all. Right. 
uh, the Holy Grail was born with it. And we don't really ever notice how or find out how Theo actually gained his. He said he just manifested his, which was weird. Well, he um, said but, he got his through constant fighting and struggle. And so when you absorb more chaos or when you absorb the chaos of the beast, you finally will go up a rank in your crest. And so for you to have a mage that serves under you, it's a knight. You have to be at least a knight. I thought it was kind of cool. I never, until this anime showed up, I never gave it too much thought about court rank and stuff like that. And how the difference between, let's say, a random wandering lord or a vice count or a duke. And I thought it was really awesome how they remained fairly consistent with everything. Like It wasn't something that, while it did change and while it looks like you could be able to raise your own rank if you were to solo level, uh, grind it away, you know? just start killing a bunch of monsters, eventually you'd gain enough chaos to, for lack of a better term, level up. But that is not the preferred method. The preferred method is to actually just go to a rival lord's territory, take him out, absorb the chaos from his crests, and boost your own ranking up and take over all his lands and territories. Now, it kind of made me think, have you noticed that in the series you had major lords like um, vice count, earls, things like that, and they had sub they had, they had servants essentially or, or lords underneath them that they were granted crests and granted power via the crest. Right. And it actually there's there's a really good guy, uh, really not good guy, but a really good uh, example. Um, you know the D'Artagnan guy, the Prince of D'Artagnan. Yes. Maltz or M- M- Maze. Well, I watched Milza. The- Milza, yes. Now he's gets in a he gets in a fight with our main character two times. The first time is when he is not going to say self reliant but selfish. Right. When he first fights him, he's only ever fighting by himself, and that's how he's always ever fought. He's never had others rely on him, and he's never had to develop a strength where others would be able to rely on him. It was always just him by himself. When he does meet him for the second time, when Theo does meet him for the second time for a second battle, he actually isn't able to sustain it because that power that he actually has, that he's always harbored himself, he's now been sharing it with everyone in his kingdom. Or not everyone, but a vast other people. And that actually taxes you as an individual who is the crest holder? Exactly. So the crest holder, when you give it out to lords and stuff like that, and they become secondary to yours, it weakens you. Yes. But my question is, let's say one of your subordinates goes out and, and destroys a chaos and absorbs said chaos. Do you kind of get a boost yourself at like a pyramid scheme kind of thing? I would uh, I would assume so. I mean, like once, once you're tied to that particular lord or vice count or whoever, I would assume that if you go out there for whatever they're doing and you absorb that crest or whatever it is, that that person automatically gets some of it, but there's no way to know. Yeah. It was just, it was super weird to me and I I thought it was really awesome and really, really a neat way to 
not share power, but explain the power dynamic. And the, the way they were able to use crests, it was almost at certain times it was a physical barrier. Other times it like made your weapon stronger or made your shield stronger in Theo's case. Um, yeah. Uh, but or, or it made your blade stronger. But honestly, how this whole anime played out, how it played out for me is it kind of reminded me a little bit of a RTS game, you know, like it, it was a real time really? stretch. Yeah. It's like the, how it felt to me, like this could easily be turned into an RTS style game. Uh, RTS stands for what? Real time, something like that. Real time strategy. Okay. You know, I could see that, you know, that that's kind of how, it kind of played out for me watching this was like kind of like making me want to go back to some uh, old RTS games that I have and, j- and just kind of play them. Like what? If you could give me an example so that it helps. Uh, Ages of Empire. Oh, Civilization. Okay. Yep. I remember that. You and I actually played that pretty well. Yes. Ugh. Okay, yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, where no matter what you're doing, time goes on for other people. Exactly. That makes sense. That makes sense. I, I I could definitely see that happening here. Um, some of the stuff that goes on, like uh, recruiting warriors and stuff like that, was done behind the scenes. Meaning, like we didn't see Leo do that or Theo do that, but you saw him. While we're focusing over here, you jump back to him, and you're like, "Oh crap, he's got fifty thousand people. Where'd that come from?" And it helps really kind of tie in and let you know that everything is moving on. It doesn't matter. It's it's not a situation where while they're doing this over here, nothing's been going on over here because they're going to cut to what has been exactly happening at this point in time. When you're switching in between the supporting characters and the main characters, time is actually still flowing on. So when you go and see them again, it's not, Oh, nothing's happened in the last 30 seconds because while this was going on, that was going on. It's while this was going on, there was still stuff going on. You're just going to see the end result of it. And now one of the things that struck me about this anime is people actually died like legitimately in some anime. You'll be, Oh yeah. They, 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 they killed them off screen or they killed them on screen, but they really didn't die. They're, they're fine. They're, they're going to move on and be part of the next battle. Like it, they legit cut people's heads off. And the way that they killed people on there was surprisingly realistic for an anime. The stab, twist, and, and pull, that was <laughs> weird. Uh, Not something uh, I was used to. Well, yeah, it is pretty interesting that they uh, went for a more gory style of killing, although there have been quite a few others that were a lot more gory. But but it it, it, was, it was a good show. I mean... They didn't want to shy away from the fact that in war there is death and it is pretty bloody. And it was most certainly a very bloody show. Kind of curious. Did you enjoy the fighting as much or more than the moves that involved no combat? Because for me, I thought the story as it moved on, I guess in between the fights, was almost more entertaining to me than the fights themselves. I would have to agree. The fighting, not terribly entertaining, but it helped move the plot along. The story or the strategy or the discussions with everything going on really helped 
me enjoy the show a little bit more and not so much the fighting. I, well, I mean, I, I did like the fighting, but I felt that, well, as I said, I felt that the plot, the storyline behind the fighting was almost the exact opposite of Dragon Ball Z. We just watched that where the entertaining part is the fighting and the, the talking is you're like, okay, come on, get back to fighting here. I was, I was in suspense a lot of the time because you don't really know what the actual goal is. It changes so often. Right. And the fact that Theo went from, it's such a weird, I'm not a main character arc. If you will, he went from wandering Lord to being forced into a night. Essentially, like, if you don't do this, it's going to kill you. And then I'm not going to care. Um, so went from a wandering lord to a knight to what do you call it? A duke of some kind? No, no, not a duke. Basically, um, uh, he became a king. Uh, and then he handed everything off to one of his subordinates when the vice count Vila came and wanted to take his uh, uh, mage that actually he was supposed to get, Sulika was actually not supposed to be with Theo, but was supposed to be with Vilar. And Vilar, being a vice count, was he was upset about it. He was he was pretty uh, pretty hurt by it. But he's actually not what everyone said he was, which is a pervy lord. He just a lustful lord, yeah. Yeah, he he was just recruiting talented women. Just had them dressed questionably, sure but they were talented. And then by the time they're 25, he's, he ends their contract with them. So that way they still have their life ahead of them. So that way they can go out there, find love and get married and do whatever they want. But yeah, no, um, yeah, no, in the, the way that they, they set up everybody was very artful. I would say the, the, the scheming, the plot behind movements, the assumed, plot behind movements or the assumed reasoning behind movements that turned out to be completely false. I was, it it was weird. I was happy to be wrong. Yeah. Although at the very beginning, it does kind of spell out what's going to happen, like how it's what the true plot of it is. And which I'm fine with, you kind of go on this journey of how this plot is going to go on the, the whole thing primary deal for Theo is he wants to go back to his homeland. He wants to liberate it from everyone and he wants the chaos to be completely gone. So that way everyone can live in peace, pure and simple. That's, that's his plan. And yeah, that's true. Well, I should rephrase it. It's not completely true. Yes. He did want to aid his, the people where he, he lived or the, the, the Island, if you will, where he was from, he wanted to liberate them from the current, holders but instead of his original goal of eradicating just minor swaths of land or or controlling the chaos it turned into hey i can get rid of it all and he picks up key characters along the way that you don't really notice are important at first you know or you you think they're so for instance the he picks up this one was a holy grail fiona i want to say her name was uh no it was priscilla Okay, so it was, yeah, her name is Priscilla, but what, what do they call her? Holy Grail of Fior or something like that? Or no, Holy Ma- Holy Maiden. Okay. Oh, the, okay. the Maiden of the Holy Grail. Okay, well, what was her last name? Vernessa. Vernessa. Okay. But they don't that- refer to her as Vernessa. 
for some reason I saw I read that and it stuck with me. I don't no, know. No, every time uh Silica tried bringing up her last name, she would always stop her. That's probably why it stuck with me because when it finally showed up, it 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 was important. And that's that's right there one of the things that I liked about it. It brought importance to things that in a way that it didn't say, "Hey, this is important." It kind of teased you with it at first, and then when it when it came to fruition, you're like, "Oh, that's it." At least for me. But I liked the fact that her crest, Priscilla's crest, while she was born with it and it wasn't gained through absorbing chaos after, I want to say, what episode did she come in? Uh, Like episode, I want to say three or four. Yeah. And and you're like, when you meet him, you're like, oh, this is going to be interesting. This is going to be good. And this is going to be a key point. And yes, she becomes a key character, but not for another 20 episodes. Well, like 20 is a little extreme, not for another 18 episodes. Yeah. And she's really a background character. She's really not there most of the series. And while she is there in passing for certain episodes, there are some times where you're wondering what happened to Priscilla? What happened to these people? What happened to, to that person? Because they're not there. If they don't need to be there, they they're not having them there filling a idle role. It was it was cool. At the very end, when Priscilla finally does her service, she ends up as I'm sure you you picked up on. I kind of foresaw this coming for a while. She sacrificed herself. Oh yeah. And the thing I didn't get, and the thing I really still don't understand, is her crest. Her source of power, her, her symbol of power, not source of power, sorry, her symbol of power didn't go away. It didn't dissolve and shatter into a chaos orb like every other crest would have. Right. And they comment on this, too. They, everyone was shocked because it they they were trying to oust her as her being fake, and she didn't let it bother her. And so when she died, when she was murdered... They were going to use her death as a see proof positive that she was a fake. Her holy grail crest just turned into a chaos orb like all the others that she you could tell that she was not real. But instead, what ends up happening is it just stays there waiting to be claimed, which I thought originally meant that she simply hadn't passed away yet. She was clinging on to life. But when you look at it, you see the moment in which she dies and you're like, holy cow, that's, that makes sense. Yeah. Like she should have passed away. But as you probably would have already suspected, instead of joining all of the crests into her, you would have her give up her crest to the, the, the deemed emperor, if you will. And, thing that really annoyed me after that was Theo absorbed it. Theo absorbed the, the Holy Grail, which could heal people from seriously grave wounds. Basically, to, to, to not perfect, but to, to near perfect physical being. And he never used it. He never healed anybody. He never attempted to heal anybody. That we know of. On screen. Right. So... I mean, but then also at the very end, uh, he didn't really, in terms of length, have it that long. Because soon after she died, after Priscilla died, they went straight to the capital, fought, 
And then that was it. Yeah. So he had it, I would say, at the most minimum two days. At the maximum, I would say about seven days. But imagine how much more emotional it could have been when if his if his forces were beat essentially and he was able to use his crest fly the patriot flag and have a healing goblet on top of that pour itself onto the patriot flag and then it ascend onto his army and then heal everybody and give them a second wind of, of sorts well we don't know the true use of it or how she was able to do that I'm I'm sure it wasn't just like an inherent thought. I know how to do this. It took practice and training and over a span of a week, you know, fair, fair, but everything else seemed to be innate. I mean, I mean like, and also that would just, I think that would just take it too far for me personally. I, if I were to see something like that, I would be like, well, this is just getting ridiculous. Now they fought a one-eyed giant at the very end. How ridiculous how much more ridiculous can you get from that? Well, having a giant cup float over a, a light flag and pour over everyone that's not injured before a battle to heal them superficially? No, not be- not before a, a battle, during a battle. Yeah, but that takes time and everyone ha- y- like you you would have to be pretty pretty outlandish to be like, "Hold up, bro. Hold up. Let me <laughs> let me heal this guy here." All right, and it's going to take energy out of me. So hang on one moment. Hold up, hold up. Because every time she did it one time, she was fatigued and exhausted afterward. It wasn't just like a snap of a finger and, hey, by the way, you're good to go now. Let me move on to the next one and skip along. It was a... Very true. Very true. I assumed that was only because she only had that one crest. She never got any additional power. Whereas Theo had at the, an equal rank to military leaders, to, to world leaders at the time. So I figured that with, with a higher rank came more power. But that doesn't mean anything for a non-chaos crest. We can't know that only because they never, they never covered it. So for who knows, you could be right at the same time I could be right. But they never did it, so we'll never know, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, uh... I don't know. I, I think that would be a little too far. If I may, real quick, speaking of the flag, is it me or did the crest, that symbol, look like the fairy tale logo? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, it did. <laughs> I was looking at that. I was like, man, that looks awful lot like uh, the fairy tale symbol. Yeah. It's, just, yeah. it's right there. It's just, just slightly different. There was a lot of there was a lot of things they took from other places, I would think. Uh, but yeah, no, they, it definitely resembled hard fairy tale logo or symbol. I, sorry, I, symbol. I kept expecting uh, not to just like jumping out of nowhere <laughs> with happy going, yeah, <laughs> just bur- burn everyone to a crisp, you know. Oh man! But well, what what did you think about the? the way they were able to use magic. It was interesting. I, I thought it was unique because sometimes you needed an incantation. Other times you didn't. And then I, I, I realized that I'm reaching real hard here, but when the rebellion from the mages association came through, they're like, Hey, we need to break the wands because the mage association is listening in on this. 
And in my head, I'm like, you mean like cell phones? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's what it reminded me of, especially at the beginning when, when, uh, Silica is running along, holding her wand up to her ear, talking like a cell phone. It's like, man, if only we had technology like that today. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it kind of brought a little bit more uh, meaning to breaking the wands. Mm -hmm. Because if you told me, hey, you got to break your phone, otherwise the government can listen in on me, I'd be like, well, it's some boring conversation, so go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is very true. But also... Uh, you also learn relatively quick that you don't have to have wands or those wands to be able to do magic. True. Uh, for Priscilla, she chose the form of a broom afterwards, which she learned from white witches Yep. Uh, to help focus and cast magic for another character. He chose a ring. I think it's more the stone than anything else. You know, the, it, the stone seems to be a catalyst for the focus of power more than the form, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Because the Black Witch didn't have any crystals on her broom, but she still could use it just like people would use a wand. Yeah. So, and since we're going, since we're talking about witches really quick, I got to point out, Silica, for some reason, seemed way too overpowered for most situations. And I realized their, their, their excuse is, oh, she was almost a rainbow wizard which means a master of every uh facet every every um discipline of magic and she goes oh no i only graduated with six colors not all seven and i'm like oh okay so she's just almost all powerful from the get-go <laughs> from the get-go well it's not that she's all powerful because you do you do learn that she does have her limitations and there are others that do have a better specialization in the magic or in some magics than her. It just means that she ch kept changing majors until she was able to adequately and proficiently use that magic. It's not necessarily that she has a mastery of it. The only thing that she didn't seem to be well-versed in would be, um, well, strategy and a tactician, being a, being a skilled tactician. But I don't know if that has anything to do with magic. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, you know, they never specified what she wasn't specialized in. But you could tell that she didn't know everything when it came to magic. Because when she was interacting with other people or they were showing her their specialties, she would ask to learn them. So that way she could better herself at, in general. That is true. That is very true. Once she got in contact with other mages who specialized in this one, this one mage was um, levitating several objects at once, manipulating them all. And she goes, wow, I didn't know that was possible. And, and the mage goes, well, once you learn the trick, it's quite easy once you just get used to it. And I was a little disappointed because you don't see this again. You don't see this pop up again. Right. Overall, I think it, it, has a good leeway all the way up. And at first you're, you're given here's the bad guy. And then it actually rapidly changes towards the ladder. Once you get towards the end, it goes from, 
oh, this one person or, or this one thing is the bad guy we need to prevent to, well, now there's this actually deeper subplot of everything that's going on and we need to unravel it. And then you, you learn after that, well, it's not the mage Academy. Who's actually the bad guy that you find out like episode 18 it's episode 20. You find out, well, no, there's actually even badder people. This whole subsect of group called Pandora. And you find out that Pandora is not even that bad. They're just self-preservation to the extreme. Exactly. And what Pandora is, is the thoughts and memories of a person of the world past with an, a super advanced civilization where the world was basically going to get destroyed. And so how they were able to tame it was to release this chaos in the world. And so the Mage Academy was created to help input this hierarchy crest system in to help tame it down, only to be undone by Theo, a wandering lord. So you got you got a different um, view of how I saw it. I saw it as there was a super advanced civilization that attained nuclear weapons. They were about to destroy the world and some weird, not extraterrestrial being, but like otherly other dimensional being decided to pour chaos over the world to essentially destroy that current society to save the world. Well, so it wasn't like, even that they decided to pour it on there. If I remember correctly, they said, so it was decided that chaos would be released into the world to save it. Okay. So yeah, but the, the ultimate chaos and like the, the wars they were doing way back in the day, were fighting this off. And now we were currently, as we stand in the twilight of that era where there is no major conflict between chaos and people. It's just more people versus people. Right. So when the chaos was released, they, uh, try, they did everything they could. It wasn't with the advanced technology or, or it could have been, they never really specified. Yeah. But now for some reason, magic is the prevailing craft rather than science. Right. Which is, you know, <laughs> one and the same. I mean, like, you know, I mean, we've we've had this discussion before a little bit, before a little <laughs> bit, and a couple other ones, but uh, yeah, they they definitely played to that advantage, and only again to have it come undone at the very end because Theo was forced out of his home because of a tyrannical ruler that keeps everyone basically on the verge of death all the time. And he it's goes back, sick. liberates his town, and he's like, cool, let's go finish this up now. And uh, becomes the first emperor. He, having the Holy Grail crest and everyone else's crest, create the creates the Grand Crest, which eliminates the chaos in the whole world, which purifies it. And then he immediately steps down and puts someone else in the throne for the second emperor. You know what kind of gets my goat as far as the whole series goes? Those crests were freaking awesome. They were. They looked they looked legitimately unique and really tribal cool and, and cool. But they didn't decide to show them off. Like I was really hoping because when at the very beginning he kills that little two-headed dog thing, um, the 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 chaos dog, absorbs the chaos, and his crest grew. And it looked really awesome. 
when he becomes a, vi- a vice count or when he becomes the Earl or wherever he reached a re- really high rank, it, it didn't correspondingly get bigger, which is what I was really hoping it would. Well, it can be bigger, but it just becomes more ornate. Okay. I give you that. But I kind of figured that the Grand Crest seal would be monstrous. Well, again, you can make it monstrous if that's what you want. I mean, like they show that. They show it small and then they show it larger. Yeah, I don't know. I would have preferred to have it like castle big before it dis- before it dissolves and gets rid of the chaos, you know? Well, it, it was pretty big, but whatevs. whatever. <laughs> whatever. All right. Well, what do you think? I, I think we covered it, right? Oh, yeah. No, we, we've definitely, I think we, we've uh, beaten this horse a little, a little much. Oh, one, one last thing. They actually killed horses in this. Yes. That was brutal. Yeah. You know, that's actually something they really don't do in any other show or animes is the brutal murder of some horses. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. In real life, that tactic would be essentially preferred to, to, to demount or you know, dismount a, a rival. Oh, yeah. But in this one, they're like, oh, yeah, we're not shying away. No, I didn't just miss him. I, I lopped the, the horse's head off, so I, he's now on my ground. Exactly. Ugh, so, scale of up to 10, how would you rate this? I saw season one before, so when I rewatched it, there was not too much to surprise me. Well, there is only one season, so. Well, sorry, the first, in my opinion, it, it this should have been two seasons, 12 and then 12. Well, technically, 12 and then 11, because... They, there's an 11.5 that honestly summed it up really nicely. If you just want to skip a lot of the rigmarole, just watch episode 11.5 and then continue on. Uh, that said, I would probably, I'm struggling here because I, I want to give it an eight, but I'm not gonna. So I'll have to give it a seven. The story was really good. The animation was really good. Episode 13. Holy cow. If you watch the opening scene when they get back to Theo's home country, the ocean, the waves, how they they, they hit the, the beach and stuff like that. Wow. A lot of detail was spent in the water. I just wish they wouldn't have dropped the budget or at least made it feel like they dropped the budget in the later episodes. So yeah, yeah positive, a positive seven. Okay. I give it a five. Really? Middle of the road. Why? Uh, Well, story was decent. It became kind of lackluster when they started changing who the bad guy was a little bit more rapidly through the end. Uh, They couldn't stick with animation. So it was one style and then you had another style and then you had just like some really bad animation, which I get what they were trying to go for with the bad animation. But sometimes it was just like bad animation for no apparent reason. Yeah. Whereas the bad anime in certain areas were that was there to raise the suspense or or make you draw the conclusion that they're moving faster than normal. Yeah, what I thought was kind of cool. So that's why I give it a give it a five. Okay. So uh, next week is your choice, sir. Next week is indeed my choice. I, you know, I'm 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 going to stick with the movies movie route and. You know, I'm going to go with a, a classic, a good one, I think. I haven't seen it yet, but I think it, it, it's going to be nice. Um, a little little movie called Spirited Away. Have you seen it? I have, actually. It's a very good movie. Oh, good. I'm glad. 
Now we'll be able to re oh well, you'll watch you'll rewatch it and I'll watch it for the first time. Oh, perfect. All right. Well, that's all the time that we have for uh, today. Feel free to join us in our Discord. We do like to chat about the shows that we are watching in there. Uh, feel free to also join us on our Facebook or Twitter and feel free to email us as well. And if you're listening to this on YouTube, please leave a comment. Don't forget to subscribe and let us know how we're doing overall, no matter where you're listening to us from until next time. I'm Jack and I'm Rick and we'll see you later. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.